All right. How's everybody doing today? Come on. Are you good? Come on. You can do a little better than that. Come on. I know it's, uh, I know it's early, but you're in the house of God. You're in the best place this side of heaven. You're in Go Church. Uh, if, for, if you don't know me, my name is Pastor Ben. I'm the campus pastor here at our South Metro Atlanta campus. And uh, I just want to welcome you to Communicators Sunday. This is a special Sunday. It's fantastic. I'll explain a little bit about how that goes. But first, I want to give honor where honor is due. Pastor JC and Kimberly Worley, I know you're watching. We just want to say how much we love you. Can we let them know how much we love them? Man, you're a blessing. We honor you. Thank you for leading this incredible house, uh, and uh, we are so honored to be in this position. You know, this is a, a fantastic church, and one of the things we do every week is a tradition of this house, If we give the best round of applause to all of those who are serving in our military, men and women, and first responders. Can you give it up for them too, man? Thank you for doing what you do. Allows us to do this right here today. But man, Communicator Sunday, let me explain to you a little bit about how this goes. We've got five communicators today. I'll introduce them in just a moment. Each of them have around seven minutes to share on this one thought. Uh, what kind of legacy do I want to leave, right? We're, we're in this legacy series. Next week is the legacy offering. What kind of legacy do I want to leave? Now, I can tell you what it's like to get up here and to see a clock counting down. Like you get, you get a little worried about how you're going to do it. So we need to do our part in gassing them up and making them feel super good. So if they get to preaching and they get to shout a little bit, it gets to be good. I want you to tell them amen. Come on, let it go. Give them a round of applause, all that. Can we practice real quick? Come on, give them your best Like, Come on, amen, yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's a great day. I promise you, with just this little bit snippet of time, God's going to drop a nugget into your life. I want you to take notes. If you're taking notes, uh, get that out, man. God's going to touch you today. But I want to introduce kind of our lineup today. Over here, first, we have Pastor Trey. He is our associate pastor of Grow here at this campus. You've been here six, seven years, seven and a half years. Just welcomed baby Kai into this world. Come on, can you give it up for Pastor Trey? Awesome communicator. And then we have Marla Hollis. You're a gift to this house, I want to tell you right off the bat. Marla is one of our outreach coordinators. You've probably seen her also in some of the announcement videos. She's super talented, incredibly strong leader. In fact, uh, she is the camp care specialist for wind-shaped camps for girls. She works with high school and middle school girls uh, in Cahutta Springs. Could you give it up for her today? Right here in the middle, we have uh, Don Stevens, the COO of Go Church. I'm going to try and really melt this one down and make it good because I may need some money later for a project. I don't know. But uh, uh, you and your wonderful wife, Shane, your entire family, been here uh, around 16 years. And uh, you've got an incredible story. going to share that today. And, uh, sir, we honor you, man. It's so blessed. You've been such a blessing to this house, uh, to my team and my family. And so can we get it up for Don? And over here we have Josh Poole, Pastor Josh, the high school pastor of Go Youth here at this campus, man. I love you. Josh is a son of the house, raised in the church, ended up jumping into our internship. And now, dude, you are knocking a straight home run in our Go Youth department. And it's an honor to have you up here today. But uh, I'm going to step out of the way and I'm going to let Pastor Trey have at it. So one more time, can you welcome Pastor Trey today as he speaks? Thank you, Pastor Ben. They told me I have seven minutes, so we're going to run through this, all right? 
for, uh, for 10 years, my wife Monty and I, we were youth pastors, and five of those years, we were the youth pastors here at Go Church, and you know, in those 10 years, I had a lot of positive, encouraging words spoken to me by the parents of our students. Now, we definitely had words that were uh, differences of opinions at time, but most of the words spoken to us and shared with us were positive and encouraging. But there was one statement that was made by a father several years ago, a father of one of our students that had such a significant impact on me, my life, and my ministry. It was a simple yet powerful statement. And this is what he said. He said, Pastor Trey, when I look at my son, I see your fingerprints on his life. When I look at my son, I see your fingerprints on his life. And you know, that statement has stuck with me for years and it's actually shaped the way I think about my ministry because every time I consider this idea of leaving a legacy, I think of those fingerprints. You see, the thing about fingerprints is that each one of them is unique. Each fingerprint is unique to the individual. It's specific to each person. Even identical twins have different fingerprints. And while no one else can have your fingerprints, you can leave them behind. No one else can have your fingerprints, but you can leave them behind. You can leave traces of them behind for others to see. And I would submit to you today that your legacy is no different. You see, your legacy, like fingerprints, is unique to you alone. But the impact and the residue of it can be left behind on those that you've touched. A lasting memorial to the life that you chose to live. It reminds me of a story in the book of Joshua. Joshua specifically chapters 3 and 4. Here in Joshua 3 and 4 we see that Joshua and the Israelites, they're getting ready to enter into the promised land. Moses has died and now Joshua has taken charge of the people and he's getting ready to enter into the land that God had promised to them. But the Bible says that the Jordan River stood in their way. And it says that the the river was at flood stage, which meant that it was overflowing its banks. And so there was no way to cross, and the people were getting worried. They felt like they were back at the Red Sea again. There was no way to get across. The people were unsure of what to do, but the Lord had spoken to Joshua and given him some instructions. He said, Joshua, tell the priests to take the Ark of the Covenant, which represents my presence, And tell them to put it on their shoulders, walk out into the water, and stop. And he said, when they do this, I'm going to cause the water to roll up up the river, flow on down to the the Dead Sea, and you'll walk across on dry ground. So they did exactly what God told them to do. The priest took the Ark of the Covenant, they put it on their shoulders, and you know the rest of the story, that they stepped out into the water, and God did what He said He would do. He dried up the river, and the people of God crossed over on dry ground. It's an amazing story, an amazing miracle that took place. But here's the part I want you to see. Because it goes on to say that Joshua instructed some men to take stones from the river. And he said these words to them. He said, we will use these stones to build a memorial. 
In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. See, the thing about those stones is this. They were a legacy for future generations, for their children and their grandchildren to go back to, to remember what the Lord had done. It was a fingerprint to the life of faith of their parents and their grandparents, the life of faith that they had chosen to live. And I can't help but ask you this question today. What are you leaving behind for future generations? What are you leaving behind for your children and your grandchildren to return to, to see that God who he was years ago can be in their life today. That if you had faith that God could move mountains, that God can move mountains in their life today, what are you leaving behind for your children? I'm going to close with this story very quickly. My papa, Jesse Ogden, you don't know him, but he was a great man of God. He was a saint, he, and he, he pastored churches for 40 years. And in that time, God used him in a tremendous way. And in November 2013, he passed away. He pastored those 40 years, and the churches that he pastored, he never pastored a large church. But I remember standing at his casket at his viewing, and I remember seeing people lined all the way around that sanctuary, out the doors and into the parking lot. That night, over a 1,000 people came through my grandfather's viewing. And I remember standing at his casket as pastor after pastor and leader after leader came by. And countless stories were told to me of how my grandfather gave them their first opportunity in ministry. Or telling me stories about how they were ready to quit and walk away altogether. Or how their marriage was on the rocks. How everything was falling apart. And they were ready to give up. And how it was my grandfather stepping into their life. Giving them a phone call. Counseling them. Spending time with them. That they were still in ministry today. That they were still doing the thing that God had called them to do. That they were ready to quit and walk away except for His help. And I'll never forget that the Lord spoke to me in that moment. He said, Trey... He said, because of your papa's faithfulness, he said, I'm going to credit every soul that is saved under their ministry to his account. For every soul that is saved, every life that is touched, every eternity that is changed uh, in the lives and the ministries of all of these pastors and leaders, I'm going to credit that to your grandfather because he was faithful, because he was willing to do what I called him to do. And can I tell you right now, my grandfather is gone, but his fingerprints, the fingerprints of his legacy are left behind on those who knew him. And who knows how many lives have been impacted eternally because of it. Listen, I can tell you this today. That's the kind of legacy that I want to leave. That's the kind of legacy that I want my life to be. Not because I did anything great, but because the life I lived somehow changed the world for the glory of God. See, I want my legacy. Hallelujah. I want my legacy to be less about what I did, not about my accomplishments or the things that I can hang my hat on, but I want my legacy to be about how I lived my life and who was eternally impacted by it. I want to leave some good fingerprints behind. And so I ask you this question again, what will you leave behind? And what will your fingerprints say about you? Amen.
Well, top of the morning. What kind of legacy do I want to leave behind? Well, I'll be honest. Initially, I thought of my girl, the budget Nista. I thought of my budget. I thought of my savings. I thought of the stability that I want to leave behind for my family. I thought about the ministry of Windshape Camps for Girls, and I thought about Kata Springs and those high schoolers and the camp culture that we've actually built on legacy. I thought of our mission and our purpose of inspiring girls to become more like Jesus in the way they think, believe, and act. I thought of my ancestors, and I thought of my heritage, and I thought of the legacy that I get to walk in every single day because of those who have come before me. I thought about all of these things. And then in true political scientist form, which I am a political scientist, if you didn't know that, I decided to answer this question with yet another question. Well, what legacy am I called to leave behind? Because I've noticed something about the things that I want. The things that I want are pretty selfish a lot of the times, and they're very, very small in comparison to what God wants for me. So what legacy is God calling me to leave behind? Not what legacy do I want to leave behind? And the truth is that biblical legacy has very little to do with me, and it has everything to do with Jesus. I'm going to say that one more time. Biblical legacy has very little to do with me, and it has everything to do with Jesus. So Bill High makes this quote and states this, and I'm going to read it directly. He says, faithfulness keeps us centered on what is valuable in God's eyes. And honestly, it doesn't matter what I want. It matters what's valuable to God, what the calling is that he's placed on my life. Um, get emotional thinking about that. But suddenly I had a different perspective. And the things that I looked at as far as wealth and stability, camp ministry, and even the heritage of my family, which those are amazing things, those are secondary as far as priorities when it comes to what God has called me to, which is much, much bigger. Um, just got my little heart. So my legacy is actually connected to that of Jesus. And he lived his life in a specific and in a particular way for me to model. And he lived his life in faithfulness to God. He was faithful to God and faithful with what God gave him. That's the way that I want to live my life, and that's the legacy that I want to leave. That's a legacy that's not selfish and a legacy that's definitely not small. So that's what I'm going to walk into. And I think of this in two different ways. When I think of faithfulness, um, I think of my desire to live a life that's full of faith and also that's faithful. And you may be thinking, Marla, literally that's the same thing. You just switch the syntax or the word order around. Okay, let me explain where you jump on me. Um, full of faith. We'll jump into that first. So I desire to believe and to trust in and to hope in the Lord no matter what. No matter what my circumstances are, no matter what my own personal and fleshly desires are, I want to give the Lord all that I have um, and all that I have to offer. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because everyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So if 
my life is not going to be worth anything um, if I don't have faith. And it's something that I want to have. I want to please the Lord. And if I'm living a life that is not pleasing to the Lord, it doesn't have much value, does it? No. So we know that faith is a personal decision. And faith initiates that personal relationship with Jesus, but it also unlocks and unleashes the blessings of God on our lives. And that's not to say that we want to have faith just to be blessed because we don't want blessings just for the sake of blessings, but it's for a very specific purpose. Um, In Psalm chapter 78, verse 4, it says, We will not hide from our descendants, We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. So this is to share of the goodness of God. Um, Another thing that I noticed about faith in my my readings is that a lot of times in Jesus' ministry, he blessed people according to the measure of their faith. So if we don't have faith, then we can't really expect anything out of life. And even the opposite happened. In his own hometown of Nazareth, he didn't do as many wondrous miracles and healings because of the lack of their faith. And that is not the legacy that I want to leave behind. We are called to have faith. Faith unleashes and unlocks blessings of God, and we can share those with others. I pray that as the Lord blesses my life, that I'm able to share of who God is, share of what he's done, and that therefore others will be inspired by God's character, and they also will be prompted to give him all that they are and have faith in him. And the second, again, is to be faithful. And again, you may be saying, hey, that's the same thing, but let me explain a little bit. This is more brief, but it's no less potent. I want to act in complete obedience to whatever purpose God has called me to in my life. And this has nothing to do with me, but this is so that he can be known and so that he can be praised. My faithfulness circles right back around to him. It doesn't amplify my voice. It doesn't put me on a pedestal or put me on a platform, but it shows people how to come to know him better and know him more. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I want to steward everything God has given me and be faithful to him. And if we love God, then we'll do exactly what he's called us to do. And as I close... I've learned that legacy is composed of seemingly small and insignificant moments that are threaded and woven together that create a beautiful tapestry, a bigger and a better story. Every single decision that I make, every single relationship that I build and invest in, it starts to build my legacy. And that's not something that I have to wait for. That's something that I can see right now. I can see it today. I can see it every second. Legacy is a living and a breathing process, and it's a process that I'm surrendering to the Lord. And so the last thing that I'll say is that I want to leave a legacy of faithfulness because there is nothing more valuable that I can leave behind than to unapologetically and passionately fulfill exactly what God has called me to do while I'm still living. And I pray the same for you all.
go. Ben, I thought we talked about me following Marla. Didn't want that. I didn't want to come after her. That was it's beautiful, Marla. Thank you. Good morning. Um, listen, I'm, I'm sure like a lot of you, when I think of legacy, the very first thing I think of is family. Um, and you know, the older that I get, and it doesn't escape me that I'm the oldest member of the panel. I didn't realize that either, by the way. But um, the older I get, it kind of changes the definition of legacy and, and family and those sorts of things. My father passed away about four years ago, and it really kind of changed my perspective. Uh, made me much more aware and appreciative of the generational blessings that, that have been passed down to me, uh, the examples that have been set in front of me by my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents. You know, in a real, in a real way, I am their legacy. And I have a responsibility to be the best that I can be, to be good examples for my parents and my grandchildren now, my grandchildren, how that happened, I don't know, um, and to pass forward and to pay forward the generational blessings that have been passed through to me. Um, and, you know, generational blessings, sometimes we think of financial blessings. You know, I think it's actually, though, generational blessings, I think of faith and values and the love that's been sowed into me. And so... With age, I, I, for me, you know, I feel much greater responsibility to pay that forward moving, moving forward. Something else that's a priority for me uh, as I've continued to, to get older is just the importance of investing myself in things that create eternal value. Um, you know, Ben mentioned, you know, my being here 16 years, but my career actually has been in aviation. Uh, over 30 years of, of, of professional experience in aviation, I've been very blessed to be a part of and to have led a number of large-scale business ventures. And the thing that you realize and you learn very early in business is despite, despite the success, nothing lasts forever in business. It's just the way that it is. It's the nature of business. Uh, the value that is created today is going to be bought, sold, merged, restructured. It's just the way that it, it's just the way that it is. When Pastor JC started talking to me about coming on staff here, which just happened a few months ago, um, I was incredibly excited with the opportunity to invest my something, myself in something that has an eternal return on investment, uh, that can create eternal value and, you know, take the experiences and the gifts that I have and apply those in a small way to building the kingdom, you know, in, in building something that can't be merged, restructured, bought, sold. Uh, and I feel incredibly grateful for that. I, it's, it's for me, I feel very fulfilled at this point in my life. And it's good to know that you are where you need to be. And I appreciate that. I'm very grateful for that. The third thing I would share about legacy, um, and as I've kind of thought about this, is just the importance of obedience. Marla referenced this. Uh, I was raised in church, I'm sure like a number of you, raised in church, very active uh, in the youth program. And as I became an adult, I just always had this nagging feeling I could be doing more. You know, that kind of still small voice. Sometimes it's the Holy Spirit you try to discern, you know, that's kind of urging you to do more, do more, do more. When Pastor J.C. joined and he transitioned into the lead pastor role, uh, he started sharing about his vision and about building and growing, and it really resonated with me. And I felt that still small voice speaking to me again uh, and saying, hey, reach out, you know, see if you can help. And so reached out, and it was interesting. I really didn't know Pastor J.C. that well. We knew of each other, but we really didn't know each other. And so we got together. Uh, he shared more about his vision. I shared more about my experience just so happened that he was creating the board of trustees at the time, kind of the, the council that oversees the finances and the, businesses of the, the business of the church, and he asked me to serve. 
It, uh, it, it worked well with me at the time. I had a busy travel schedule, career, all those sorts of things. And we only met on a quarterly basis. And so I was able to, I was able to, to participate. And I share all that to say this. That was roughly three years ago. And from that point in time till today, what the Lord has done in my life, it's been incredible. It really has been. Um, I won't go into the details, but what he has orchestrated in my life, in my family's life, uh, the doors that he has opened, how he has helped me transition from one career to this career, um, it's just been nothing short of supernatural. And I guess the last thing that I would share with you is if you know, you feel that, small, you know, that still small voice kind of speaking to you, sometimes it may be the Holy Spirit, um, I just encourage you, you know, to be to take that step out on faith, to be obedient. Uh, the Lord always, always honors obedience, and he will take your obedience. He will bless it. He will magnify it in ways that you never thought possible. Thank you. Good morning, Go Church. It's good to be here. It's really great to stand right here. Um, Pastor Ben, thanks for the opportunity. Pastor JC, it's always an honor. And uh, it's really cool, too. Most of the audience that I have in high school, they're usually uh, asleep or on their phone, so it's good to have some eyes on you uh, this morning. So we're going to jump right into it while I have your attention. And so today, what kind of legacy would I like to leave? Um, As I ponder this question, some of the thoughts that come to my mind would think of the ultimate giver of life. Maybe it's a mother or father. Uh, a grandma, a grandpa that you sit on the back porch with and spend time maybe drinking some coffee and they just pour out some wisdom, some guidance. They give you all the tips and tricks. Um, I think of some type of heritage of like a prestigious family, you know, a mom and pops who start, you know, a business 50 years ago and they just continue to grind it out year after year. And uh, they look back and now they've given their, their store over to one of their sons and to another son and to another son. And it's just this legacy of family business. I think of maybe a courageous soldier in battle that has come back and maybe have, you know, won a couple of medals because of their bravery on the battlefield, something along those lines, or maybe even just a faithful Christ follower. Come on, someone who's devoted their life to Christ all the way until death. But this picture of legacy for me, as I was thinking about this, it really came back to this incredible heroic act that I could see somebody doing that could be remembered forever. And I can really blame this on the topic of the sandlot. The picture of the Sandlot, if you are a baseball fan like me, you can kind of look back onto that movie and say, there was one person that did a heroic act, and now he is remembered forever. You see, if you haven't seen the Sandlot, we will have altar at the end of the gathering so you guys can receive forgiveness for not seeing it. But also, too, you really need to see the movie. You really need to see the movie. The Sandlot is about a close-knit group of guys. They live in the neighborhood together, and they play baseball every single day together. And so they become, on one day, on a summer day, they're looking for a baseball because they want to play. And the new kid on the block, Smalls, has a great idea. He's going to go into a stepdad's uh, ball collection and grab a ball off the shelf. And he's going to say, hey guys, I came in clutch. I have the ball for us to use today. And so they play with it. Little does he know, he does not know the significance of this baseball because he does not play baseball. And so the cat gets out of the bag when the ball is now hit over the fence. And now they have to retrieve the ball from a giant gorilla dog that's across the fence. And so you see now the heroic actor comes into play, Benny the Jet Rodriguez, and this guy has all that it could take to get this ball back. But you see here, 
They try playing after playing to get this ball back. They try vacuums. They try catapults. They try all these things, try to figure out how to get this ball back. But you see, nothing works. And so Benny finally knew what he had to do. Only one kid ever tried what Benny was about to try to do to retrieve this ball. And legend has it, that kid did die from this gorilla giant dog. But Benny knew that he had to jump over the fence. He had to pickle the beast. And he had to retrieve this ball back because... The ball was signed by the only Babe Ruth. And so what he did is Benny successfully put on the PF flyers that would proven, scientifically proven, to make a kid run faster and jump higher. And so he puts these shoes on with all athleticism and speed and agility that he has. He jumps over the fence, and he successfully gets the ball back. And right before he does, there's this quote that Babe Ruth said to him in a dream. And it's this quote that made me think about legacy. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. You see, Benny said that right before he did it. And that's what paints this picture of legacy in my mind. But as I quickly started to prepare for this message, I started to realize that legacy is not just one moment of our life. You see, legacy is not something that is just built overnight. You see, legacy is grown and built over the course of our entire life. But I think for most of us, some of us believe that we get so caught up in perfecting our legacy that we waste the seasons that develop us for that legacy. You see, we have this picture in our mind of all the great things that we need to do that we pass by day to day of the things that we miss and waste those seasons. You see, the ultimate giver of life, at some point, it was them getting the lessons learned and the knowledge and the things like that. It was the family. At one point, it started with just a man and a woman that said, let's devote ourselves to having a great family. You see, it's the courageous soldier that it was one day, day one of boot camp for him, and he had to figure out if he was going to be the soldier that he was called to be. And the Christ follower, you see, it was not always a faithful day for them, but they had to choose to be faithful. You see, Benny had the boldness and the strength the whole time to face the beast. He had what it took on the inside of him the whole time to make this legacy, but it wasn't just that moment right before he jumped over the fence that created the legacy, but it was the moments and the days leading up to that moment that created this legacy. You see, this perspective of legacy moves us from seeing a moment in life for legacy to a movement throughout life. You see, your legacy and my legacy, it's built on the decisions we make from day to day. We make decisions every day. And the most important thing that we could do is to wake up today and say, Lord, I choose you. I choose to be faithful even when I don't want to be. I choose to be courageous. I choose to be the person that you've called me to be. And listen, as I'm preparing this message, the first thing that comes to my mind as I'm praying and seeking the Lord about this is the Lord revealed this to me. Josh. The legacy will take care of itself. The legacy will take care of itself. I want to talk to somebody just for another minute in this room that you maybe feel like you have nothing to offer as a legacy. Well, I know this to be true, just like the person in the Bible like David. I relate a lot to him because he really didn't have anything else going for him except God knew and he knew he was called to be king. And you see with David, it was a day-to-day decision to wake up to follow Christ. And he knew at some point in his life, God would raise him up to be the king and the leader that he was always called to be. But I want to challenge you with this, and I challenge myself with this this week. Are we waking up every single day to do this one thing? Lord, I choose you. Lord, I choose your plans. Lord, I choose your purpose. Because listen, like I said, it's the day-to-day decisions that we all make that creates our legacy. 
It's not just that one moment when Benny's standing over the fence saying, legends never die. No, it was the days that he didn't want to play baseball. He got up and played baseball. And for us, it's the moments where we don't want to read scripture, where we need to read scripture. It's the moments where we don't want to be with, spend time with family and to be the husband or the father or the, the son or the daughter that we're called to be. You see, it's the day-to-day decisions that we all need to make that leaves the legacy that lasts forever. Thank you. Man, I love it, dude. You ought to know the youth pastor is going to preach on the sandlot. Come on, somebody. Man, it's an honor, man. Thank you, Pastor JC, for this opportunity. What kind of legacy do I want to leave? And I think I can narrow that down to just this, this one phrase. I want to leave a legacy of risk takers, okay? Risk takers. And when I say risk taker, I don't mean jump off the top of the roof into the swimming pool kind of risk taker. We have enough accident prone people in my house to not need any more encouragement on that level. I'm talking about taking a risk for the kingdom. Like, what are you doing for God that is risky, that is against the status quo, that's going against the current, the flow of culture? What are you doing that's going to establish a legacy of risk-taking amongst those you're given charge over? You might not realize this, but the moment that we said yes to ministry, for those of us that are in full-time ministry, the moment you said yes to that, uh, you said yes to take an incredible step of faith, okay? And... uh, you decided in that moment that you were going to give God your future, your whole future, control of it all, not just control of like good seasons, right? It's really easy to give God credit when we're on cruise control and the bills are getting paid and everything's fine. I'm talking about giving God full control of your life in every single decision that you make. I chose to say, God, I'm going to bathe every decision that I make in prayer, every, every big thing I'm going to do, Lord, I'm going to put it in your hands and I'm going to trust you. I also said yes to live a life of holiness. Now, that's not something you hear a whole lot, but I chose to be set apart. I chose to not do the same thing everyone else is doing because how can I reach a world that I look exactly like? How can I reach a world that, I can't, that I'm not showing them every day that you can live a life that's different, that's blessed, that's full of peace and hope in the middle of a world that doesn't have hope, in the middle of a world that doesn't have peace? And I said yes to live wherever the Lord chooses. You see, that's where it gets a lot of people. When you choose to step into ministry, you literally give God the keys to whatever future home you're going to live in. You say yes to move, to go where God's calling you and placing you because wherever he's placing you, it's a part of his calling and his plan for your life. You cannot choose this calling and still choose to live a life of comfort. You have to move beyond comfort. You have to take a risk You have to take a chance. You have to embrace change, which for some of us, if we're going to be honest, is really hard. It's hard. I said yes to listening to God's instructions even when they don't make sense, even when I feel like there's probably a better way. You see, the Bible is full of faithful people who heard some crazy instructions from God that a faithless person would walk away from. The Bible's full of them. In fact, when I look at Joshua, uh, just he's a warrior. He's a tactician. In fact, he led the army of Israel for 40 years as they went through the wilderness. The dude is really sharp. He's a military tactician. And when he faced his biggest obstacle, God says, hey, here's what I want you to do with the army. I just want you to march around for seven days and sing. And I promise you, I'm going to take care of the rest. So Joshua got those instructions in the middle of his biggest fight. Then I look at the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were given a choice. 
They either bowed to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar and worshiped him like everybody else was doing, or they stayed true to the plan that God had for their life and true to their worship. And they had to do it knowing that they would get burned alive. But yet they still chose to do it. But the greatest yes probably came thousands of years later from a teenage girl named Mary. When an angel came to her and said, hey, I know you're a virgin, but you're about to birth the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, into this world. And the world will never be the same. And Mary, who heard those instructions, knowing what the world was going to think about her and knowing what everyone was going to say about her, this unwed woman who's now pregnant, risking her own life, she says these words in Luke 138. I am the Lord's servant, she answered. May your words be fulfilled. The King James says, be it unto me, Lord. Be it unto me. Whatever you have for my life, Lord, be it unto me. You see, the enemy would like each of us to think, to play it safe with our lives. That playing it safe is the easiest way to go. He would like for you and I to think that, that God only is a part of some of our decisions and that if we make a wrong decision, God's going to wash his hands from us and he could never use us. And, and we're going to be so far from where God wants us to be, we're going to be toast. And that God is somehow going to leave us out to dry in the middle of all the decisions that we have to make. But I'm here to remind the devil today that Joshua marched around the city and guess what? The walls fell. That the three Hebrew boys got put into the hottest fire on earth. And not only did they come out not burn, they didn't even smell like smoke. Come on, somebody. And, and that woman, that young teenage girl, she said yes to Jesus Christ, who not only nailed himself to a tree 2,000 years ago, but three days later he rose again. And because he does, I have a second chance at life. And I am where I am today. And while I'm up here, I'm going to remind the enemy, the devil, that God is coming back. And when he comes back, he's got plans for you. And he's got plans for me. And they're for me to prosper and for the devil to not. And I want to remind somebody today, you're on the edge of a risky moment. You're on the edge of a big decision. You're on the edge of something God's wanting you to say yes to. Not so that he can abandon you and leave you alone, but so that you can see that this whole time, God has been with you. Are you willing to take a risk for God? Because I'm here to stand with you today along with the people on this stage and tell you that I've taken risk after risk after risk. And never once has God walked away. And never once has he turned his back on me. And never once have I been without. And never once have I been alone. Every single decision that I made, yeah, it was full of fear sometimes. But every fearful moment, God turned into a faith-filled moment because I realized in those moments that he had never walked away. And that the greatest being that's ever walked on earth is on my side. And if he's on my side, he's on yours too. I'll leave you with this, this scripture. For those of you that are wondering if you should pull the trigger on the big decision, if next week in the legacy offering, if you should give, if you should decide to serve, Psalm 56, 3-5 says, When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God who I have put my trust, I shall not be afraid because what can mere mortals do to me? We're always worried about what people are going to say. It pales in comparison to the God who's speaking into your ear right now and telling you to jump and telling you to take a risk and telling you to live a faithful life a faith-filled life, 
and a life of pure obedience. Can we pray right now, Lord? Just I just speak your anointing in this place, Lord. For those who need to take a risk, let them take a risk today. Let them embrace the calling of God, whether they're in-house or they're online. Let them embrace what you're challenging them to do. And Lord, let them step up and let them say yes to the calling of God, knowing it's a blessed life, knowing it's the right life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Could you give our communicators some applause today? You did great. You guys can, you guys can step back. Maybe you're in here uh, and you're new to this church. I want to tell you something that we've never closed a gathering out without doing, and that's giving you an opportunity to make the greatest decision in your entire life, and that's to say yes to Jesus Christ. All day you've heard from people who at one point in time were faced with the same decision that you need to make right now today. Do I live my life on my own, or do I give my heart to God and trust that he's going to take care of it? And to trust that this is the best decision for me. Because you see, long before you ever made it to this moment, Jesus Christ died on a cross for you and for me. And he died so that we could have a second chance. And I made it out of a bar. And I made it out of a lifestyle. Because Jesus gave me a second chance. And I, I can feel it in the room right now. Some of you are already saying, I'm too far gone. I'm too messed up. God can't touch this. He can clean a lot, but he can't clean this mess. I want to tell you that God is the greatest agent of change that has ever touched this earth. And he's willing to take your life and make it right and to put you in alignment with him today. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around this room, maybe you're in here and you could say, Pastor Ben, not said yes to Jesus Christ, not given him my heart. But I know today I want to. Maybe you're in here and a long, long time ago you made a decision. But you know right now your life is so far from the Lord, you need to recommit to what he has for you. If you want to say yes to Jesus today and accept him as your personal Lord and Savior, I just want you to lift your hand. I want to pray over you. Nothing weird is going to happen. Thank you, sir. I see that hand in the back. Thank you, sir. Front. Thank you in the middle. Anyone else? Come on. Right now. Here's what we're going to do. I see that hand, sir. Here's what we're going to do as a family. We're going to pray this prayer together. And if you raise your hand, this is especially for you. But we're in support of your decision. So we're going to pray it together as one big body. Can you repeat after me? Dear Heavenly Father, I realize I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I realize that years ago you died on the cross. And you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, make me whole, and forgive me of my sins. And welcome me into your family. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.